Hey, howdy, hey, Northridge family. Hope today finds you well. Uh, we're going to start with prayer, like we do every week. Uh, as always, there's loads to pray about with all that's going on. However, uh, right now is a specific day of prayer for Free Will Baptists. that's put out by our International Missions Department. And there's three specific areas we're going to pray for. One, we do want to pray for our international missionaries uh, for several reasons. We want to pray for our stateside missionaries. Stateside missionaries, typically when they're stateside, well, a lot of what they do is they try to raise funds to get back onto the mission field. Well, as you can imagine, raising funds uh, is difficult now because raising funds typically involves going to churches, speaking in the churches, and the church is either taking up an offering for them or the church is pledging to support them. So right now, everybody's trapped at home. The missionaries can't travel. They can't raise their funds. This pushes their dates back. And so there's a lot of stress for them involved in that. So we want to pray for those. We also want to pray for those who are still on the field. But as a, as a general rule, Free Will Baptist missionaries, they stay on the field for a period of time. And then they transition back home for like a year. Uh, and in that time, they raise funds. They go out and they visit churches. They take some vacation time. Things along those lines. Well, some missionaries who are close to their end are now going to have to make decisions about are they going to come home because if they come home they don't know when they'll get to come back um, and if they don't come home now they don't know when they'll get to come home so they've got a lot of decisions that they have to make as well so we want to pray for our international missionaries we want to pray for our churches uh, churches in our community our free will baptist church every every church has to decide how they're going to move forward once things begin to open Right now, different states are going to have different rules and regulations about how that has to be done. But every church is still going to have to plan things out. They're going to have to figure out what to do. Um, and, and so they need wisdom. So pray for wisdom for the churches uh, that they would do what is best and what is right. Also pray that the churches up until they would just continue to be beacons of hope in their community, holding out the hope, help, and healing that's found through Jesus into their communities. And then we want to pray for those who are affected by the coronavirus. Right now, of course, there are thousands, thousands uh, around the world who have been affected by this. Uh, you probably know in our community, there are 68 confirmed cases in Texas County as of yesterday, and it's, it is only going up. We also know that at least one case, there, there is one case in the Dunaway Manor. So we want to pray for those in our community who are infected with this. We want to pray for Dunaway Manor and for the person in Dunaway Manor that is infected with it. We want to pray for our health care professionals. We want to pray they would find rest and they would find strength and the ability to, to carry on. And they would stay well. We don't want them to get sick. Pray God would give His peace to His people. And that unbelievers, they would seek God in this time of fear and uncertainty. Now I want to read you a psalm. One of our, one of our five psalms today and then we'll, we'll pray. Psalm 146 says, Praise ye the Lord. Praise the Lord, O my soul. While I live, I will praise the Lord. I will sing praises unto my God while I have my any being. Put not your trust in princes, nor in the Son of Man, in whom there is no help. His breath goeth forth, and it returneth to the earth. In that very day his thoughts perish. Happy is he that hath the God of Jacob for his help, whose hope is in the Lord God, which made heaven and the earth and the sea and all that is therein, which keepeth truth forever." which executeth judgment for the oppressed, which giveth food to the hungry. The Lord looseth the prisoners. The Lord openeth the eyes of the blind. The Lord raiseth them that are bowed down. The Lord loveth righteousness. The Lord preserveth strangers and relieveth the fatherless and the widow. But the way of the wicked he turneth upside down. The Lord shall reign forever. Even thy God, O Zion, unto all generations. Praise ye the Lord. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you today. You are great and awesome. You are worthy of our praise and worthy of our devotion. Lord, we are in awe of your greatness and your goodness, Lord, that you are the one who created the earth and you 
put it all together, Lord, that you keep it all by the power of just your word. You keep everything upheld. Our lives are in your hands, Father. So in this time, we we as believers, we want to live in confidence. Father, we know that we are in your hand, that there is nothing going on in this world that is out of your control. There's nothing that happens in our life. That where you are not actively involved. Lord, as, as one saying says, that you, you are doing maybe 10,000 things in our lives all the time. And we're aware of maybe three. So Lord, in this time of uncertainty, in this time where things seem to be so sideways and chaotic, help us to trust in the God who created the world. Let us trust in the God who, who causes the sun to rise and the sun to set. Let us trust in the God who can do all things and is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all we could ask or imagine. Lord, we pray today for these that we've talked about. We pray for our international missionaries. Father, I think about Walt Shorshak, who was supposed to come out here right as all of this began and is trying to raise funds to, to go overseas. Father, guide Walt and, and others like him that are out in, in America trying to figure out how they can go, how they can get the money, what they can do in order to go and share the gospel in these places where, where the gospel is so desperately needed. Father, I, I pray for Steve and Lori. Torreson and Jamie and Tammy Lancaster in Uruguay. Father, the country's on lockdown. Protect them and guide them and keep them safe as they continue to try to minister to people in the best ways that they can. Bless Rusty and Brenda Carney in Japan. Lord, fill them with your spirit and protect their children and help them to be able to minister to their neighbors that are also on lockdown to find ways to communicate with people and to share the gospel with them. Bless Tim and Lydia Autry in Bulgaria. Fill them with your spirit. Continue to minister through them in Svishtof and, and let them just spread the hope, help and healing through Christ all around that community. Guide our churches. Father, those in Oklahoma that are going to have to make decisions this next week about what to do about next weekend. Do we open? Do we wait? What do we do? Lord, we need your wisdom. We need your strength. We need you to guide us and help us to be united. Lord, as the leaderships of the different churches are going to get together and talk about what needs to be done, let there be unity among the leaders. Let there be a peace. And that whatever we do, Lord, it would be what you would have us to do. Guide our churches, Father, to be like cities set on a hill that cannot be hid. Let the light of the gospel, the light of Christ, shine out from every church and every community in America and around the world that people would know there is hope, there is help, there is healing through Jesus Christ. Let the good news go forth from our churches, Lord, all the time. God, there would be power in the churches. Father, we want not just to to speak and not just to say uh, polite things or, or encouraging things. Father, we need there to be a, a power and a demonstration of your spirit as your word goes forth so that souls are changed, souls are saved, lives are changed, prodigals are restored. The spiritually blind eyes are opened and those who are spiritually dead would be raised to new life in Christ. Father, let your power and your spirit rest upon your churches that what they do would be effective in, in seeing souls saved and lives changed and the communities would be different because these churches are there and seeking to do your will. Father, we pray for those who are affected by the coronavirus, particularly those in our county. Oh God, we pray that you would protect them. We pray that you would keep them from getting overly sick. I, I don't even know how to pray that right, Lord. I know they're, they're sick because they've tested positive, but Father, keep them from being so sick they end up in the hospital on the ventilator. Keep them from being so sick that they end up passing from this. Bless the one in the manner. Father, and, and protect and heal and, and be with the family that's, I'm sure, terrified at this time. Bless our healthcare professionals in Guyman. Bless Nancy Schmidt and the board at the hospital. Give them wisdom to know what to do. Give them wisdom to be able to to make your decisions and do right things to best care for the people of Texas County. Bless Dan Stiles and the board at the manor. Continue to give them wisdom, oh God, encourage them. I know it's been a big fear for the virus to get into the manor, Lord, and don't let them be discouraged by the fact it's there. Father, encourage them and strengthen them and, and contain it with just this one person. Let it not spread through the manor. Protect 
the workers of the manor, that, Lord, they would be safe and they would not be infected by it. Lord, we pray you would stop the rise of the virus in our community. Lord, it has gone up and up and up and is still rising every time new numbers are released. It just gets more and more and more. Bring it to a stop, Father. Bring it to a stop in Texas County. Bring it to a stop in Oklahoma. Bring it to a stop in the United States and bring it to a stop in the world. Lord, do it in such a way it can't be explained away by any natural means. Do it in such a way that even the greatest skeptic would have to say, that was amazing. I don't know what happened. If there's not a God, I can't explain how this would have happened. Oh God, guide us in this time and let us be willing to serve others and to do the things you'd have us to do. Fill us with your spirit. Send us out. The power and the unction of the Holy Spirit we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Now the difference between an adventure and an ordeal is hope. Because hope is one of the strongest forces on earth. Hope can bring about marvelous and incredible results. Great achievements are made by people who have hopes and dreams and believe things can be made better. They are stirred to action by the hope that is within them. They are living an adventure. Hopeless people, on the other hand, they tend to live life as an ordeal. Hopeless people are pretty sure There is nothing for them now and there's nothing for them in the future. Nothing is ever going to get better. It's only going to get worse. And so they are fairly constantly semi-miserable at best. Those who have given up in hopelessness, they decide this is just the way it is. This is the best it will ever be. And they learn to live with their problems and live with their issues rather than And trying to find a way to fix them or make their life better or the world around them better. After all, what's the point? Nothing is ever going to change. We can become hopeless in any area of life. We can become hopeless in our jobs. Till this is a dead end job and nothing I do will ever make a difference. I'll never get promoted. I'd never get a better job. This is the best my life could ever be. We can be hopeless in our finances. We can get so discouraged by our debt and the struggle that we have to pay our bills and to maybe get ahead a little bit that we say, I'm just not one of those that would ever get ahead. This is the best my life will ever be. We can get discouraged and feel hopeless in our relationships. Some people are trapped in a series of bad relationships, one right after the other into another, and they just begin to make excuses. They begin to say, well, I just have bad taste in men, or I have bad taste in women, or I I choose bad friends. We can become hopeless in our marriage. We can be miserable in our marriage. And rather than our marriage being a sign of God's favor upon us, we can say, This is terrible. It's never going to get better. We just as well dissolve it and end it now. We can get hopeless in sin. We can struggle to overcome sin and fail and fall back into it so many times that we determine, I can never be free. I can never live a holy life unto my Lord Jesus Christ. We can even become hopeless. In our relationship and our service to Jesus. We just get, we read in the Bible about more and we don't experience the more. We read in the Bible about people having joy and peace and believing in. And we don't have the joy and the peace and we struggle to believe. And we wonder, am I really a Christian? Does God really love me? Is this the best it's ever going to be? When we live our lives as an ordeal rather than an adventure, it is always, always because we have lost hope. When our service and our devotion to Jesus is an ordeal rather than an adventure, it is because we have lost hope. And many in our day, many in our community, seem to be living in an ordeal instead of an adventure. And sadly, this is true for many who are disciples of Jesus Christ. 
their life, their service, their relationship to Jesus is a 24 hour a day, seven day a week ordeal. It begins when they wake up in the morning and the ordeal does not stop until they go back to sleep that night. And I want to tell you, that's not the way it's meant to be. Jesus came, the Bible says, to give us life and life more abundantly. Now, that's not a life free of problems and free of trials. It is, however, a life that is not an ordeal. We are meant to live lives of hope. You could almost say we're meant to live an adventure with Jesus and all we say and all we do. Today I want to talk about what it is to live a life of hope. Open your Bible if you have it to Romans 15 and verse 13. Um, I'm going to put the verse up on the screen. It's just the one verse. And, and here's what it says. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace and believing so you abound in hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we love you today. You are great and awesome. You are wonderful and amazing and worthy of our praise and worthy of our devotion. And Lord, right now, right now in this time of chaos, in this time where things are shut down and we're sort of kept at home, and some far more than we are here in Gaiman, Lord, it sure seems like it would be easy to let everything seem like an ordeal. But Lord, this isn't what you have for us. This isn't what you want for us. You want us to live lives of hope. Lord, not just, not just hope for eternity. Not just hope that, that Jesus is coming back. For sure, that kind of hope. But Lord, hope in the here and hope now. Hope that tomorrow can be better than today. Hope that tomorrow we can be different than we are today. Hope that your spirit is within us and is going to change us and guide us and help us in life. We're meant to live lives of hope. And Lord, when we're living a life of hope, no matter the circumstances, life honestly is kind of an adventure. Help us. Help us to believe that's real. Help us to believe we can live lives of hope. Help us to believe it is possible to live life as an adventure rather than an ordeal. Help us, O oh God, to take your word at face value. To say, yes, this is real, this is right, and it will be true for me because of what Christ has done. Guide me this morning as I speak. Fill me with your Holy Spirit. Let your Holy Spirit give me unction and, and utterance that I will have clarity of thought and clarity of speech. I could say what you want said, O oh God. Nothing more, nothing less. Father, even though we are not all together in one room, we are together in this time. Let our hearts and our minds be united to your word. Let us be listening to you and use your word like a sword to convict us where we need convicting. Use your word like a hammer to smash strongholds we have erected so our every thought could be brought captive to the obedience to Christ. Use your word like a fire to burn away the junk in our lives that we would be pure vessels for Jesus. Use your word like a mirror. and Let us see who we are and let us see who we're meant to be in light of your word. Oh God, have your way in all things. We ask in the mighty name of Christ, our Savior. Amen. Now, Paul refers to God as the God of hope. And he also explained, and I would contend we can abound in hope in our lives. And we see in this verse, hope changes our lives because it causes us to be filled with joy and peace in believing. Now, here's... Here's something I think we got to catch in this. Paul's life was hard, right? I mean, we'll talk about that more in a minute. But if you're familiar with the life of the Apostle Paul, you know his life was hard, but it wasn't just Paul. The early church as a whole, right? The book of Acts, I mean, they sort of go from Bad experience to bad experience in a lot of ways. How much persecution is there? How much suffering is there? All because of their faith in Jesus. And yet, like when, when Paul 
is arrested and beaten and bound in prison? Does he feel sorry for himself and woe is me, life is such an ordeal? Or is he at midnight singing and praising God because life is an adventure with Jesus? Why? Why in the midst of such suffering, such hardship, such a difficult experience, did Paul and the early church always rejoice? Always live as if life was an adventure? I mean, don't you, when you read the book of Acts, don't you read that and go, man, those, those dudes were excited. I mean, they were excited about Jesus no matter what happened. Clearly, they live life as an adventure. And it's because they had hope. So the main truth today is that hope makes life an adventure instead of an ordeal. We want to have the hope God gives. Because the reality is there are many watching right now. And for you, life is an ordeal. And it's not meant to be that way. It, it is not meant to be that way. Jesus did not come and live and die and rise again for every moment of our lives to be an ordeal. Our lives are meant to be abundant and adventurous in and with Christ. So I'm going to give you three reasons this morning why hope Makes life an adventure rather than an ordeal. First, hope anticipates what God can do. Our God is the God of hope. Right? God is the author of our hope. He is the foundation of our hope. He is the builder of our hope. He is the finisher of our hope. It has been often said there are no hopeless situations. There are only people who have grown hopeless about them. This is true. Because we serve a God of hope. Now remember, a biblical hope is not a far-fetched dream we would like to see come to pass. Right? A biblical hope is a well-grounded, well-founded assurance God will do what He has said He will do. But here's the key. Hope carries with it the idea of anticipation. When we hope in God, we are expecting Him to do something. Now, here's where I have a problem at times. Doesn't it feel presumptuous to say we expect God to do anything? It does to me. It's a, something I, I struggle with when I pray. Talking about I expect, I anticipate. However, it's not presumptuous if... Our expectation is coming from the right place. But if I expect God to do something just because I want Him to, and I think it would be a great idea, then I'm probably going to be left to my own as far as that goes. But, if I expect God to do something because God has promised He would do it, and I know the character and the nature of God, what He's like, that I can legitimately expect God to act. Right now, we all believe this in, in certain ways all the time, right? So like Romans 10, 13 says, anyone who calls in the name of the Lord shall be saved. So we, we tell people that, right? If you call in the name of the Lord, you will be saved. We believe God will absolutely save everyone who calls on Him. That's, that's this idea. We, we hope, we expect, we anticipate God to save those who call upon Him. But all of the other promises God has given are just as sure as that one is. Hope from God is filled with expectation from God. Rather than being presumptuous, hope or expectation is an expression of our confidence in God. When we hope in God, when we have expectation, we anticipate from God. We are saying, I am confident God is who Scripture says He is. We are saying, I am confident God can do what Scripture says He can do. We are saying, I am confident God is the kind of person whose character is such 
He will do what he has said he will do. It is not presumptuous at all to live with anticipation of God to keep his word and do what he has said he would do. Hope in God. It must start with confidence in God's character. If we don't believe God is who scripture says he is. If we don't believe God can do what scripture says he can do. If we don't believe God will do what scripture says he will do. Then we have no reason to expect anything from God. On the other hand. If we're confident. God is who scripture says he is. If we're confident God can do what scripture says he can do. And if we're confident God will do what scripture says he will do. Then we can and we should. Have great hope. Great expectation. For him to act in accordance with his will and his character. This isn't our pushing God to do anything. This is our saying, I believe you are who you say you are. I believe you can do what you say you will do. I believe you will do what you say you will do. So I anticipate, I look forward to the day when these things come to pass because you said this is how you are and this is what you're like and this is what you do. The natural result of trusting God's character is to trust his promises. If God is who scripture says he is. If God can do what scripture says he can do. If God will do what scripture says he will do. Then I will trust him in everything he says. And I will live my life accordingly. It will be evident in the way I live that I trust God. It will be evident in the way I live. I have hope from God. Everything about a biblical hope rises and falls on who God is and what God has said. It is critically important we understand this. When we have this hope, we anticipate what God can do, what he said he would do, regardless of the circumstances of our lives. Right now, this is key. I, I really think this is super important that we understand it is regardless of the circumstances. Hope isn't just when all is right in my world. Hope is when every, I mean, hope is when it doesn't seem like it's possible. It doesn't seem like it's possible God can do this, but the word says he can. So I, I believe it. And I expect it. I anticipate it. Let me show you this. This is great. Turn to Romans 4. Right? Um, if you were here, I'd tell you what page number it's on in our pew Bibles. Uh, Romans 4, verse 17 through 21. And we'll just be here quickly. So hold your finger on Romans 15 because we're coming right back. But Romans 4, 17 through 21. It says, as it is written, I've made thee a father of many nations. Before him... Whom he believed, even God, who quickeneth the dead and calleth those things which are not as though they were. Right, so let me stop here. We're, we're probably familiar with the life of Abraham. Right, the father of faith and, and how great his life was from Genesis 12 on. But if you're not familiar, let me remind you. God spoke to Abraham. And he told him to, to leave his homeland and to go to a country God would show him. And he promised him at one point, I will give you a son, but not just a son. But I'll give you so many descendants, they're like the stars in the sky or the sands on the seashore. Now, this promise that God gave to Abraham was impossible, humanly speaking. Abraham was 75 years old at the time this happened. Sarah was a bit younger than him, but she was also up in years. Sarah and Abraham were, were well past childbearing age. They had never been able to have a child before. And yet God promised Abraham and God said, I will 
give you a son. And Abraham believed. Right? He believed God because, as it says here, God can quicken the dead or raise the dead. And God calls those things or not as though they are. So God spoke to Abraham about a son as though it was already his. Right? Think about it like in the book of Joshua. The idea of calls those things that are not as though they are. God told Joshua to go into the promised land and he said, Everywhere the sole of your foot treads, that is ground I have given to you. Now the gland was not yet theirs, but God called it theirs as though it was. And that's the picture. That, that God can do anything. He can raise the dead. He can speak things into existence. And so Abraham believed him. And it says in verse 18, that who against hope, in other words, it didn't make sense for Abraham to believe this, believed in hope, so that he did become the father of many nations according to that which was spoken. So Abraham was not weak in faith. He didn't consider the fact that his body was dead. And he was about a hundred years old and knew the deadness of Sarah's womb. He didn't, he staggered not at the promises of God. I, I like that. What it means is when God said, I can give you a son, Abraham didn't go, oh, come on. Can't nobody do that. It's not possible. Staggered not the promises of God through unbelief, but was strong in faith, giving glory to God, being fully persuaded that what he had promised, he was able to perform. So Abraham's hope was in something that was seemingly humanly impossible. Abraham's hope was against any hope. Can you imagine Abraham leaving his family saying, well, God spoke and God told me to go into a land. He's going to show me and he's going to give me descendants. And his family going, dude, you're old. Your wife's old. You ain't never had kids before. What makes you think you're going to leave all of this to go out there and suddenly you're going to have kids? That's foolish. Abraham's just like, oh well, that's what God said. I believe it. Now, here's where it gets super difficult. Did God do that right away for Abraham? I mean, did they leave? Did Abraham leave his family and go to the land that God showed him? And nine months later, they had a little bouncing baby boy? No. Didn't happen that year. Or the next year. Or the year after. They waited 25 years. Before that promise came to pass. But Abraham never wavered. In unbelief. He believed God. God could do it. Even though every day. Every year it seemed more impossible. God, Abraham believed God could do what God had said. The situation seemed hopeless to the world. But Abraham had hope because he had a word from the Lord. The Lord had spoken. The Lord had said something. You and I, we have a word from the Lord too. God has spoken. God has said something. And though we may have to wait. Oh, we may have to wait many agonizing years. God will do what He has said He will do. The question is, will we believe? Will we hold on like Abraham did? Will we anticipate God doing what He has said He would do? Can we be fully convinced God can save our lost loved one, can restore our prodigal? can turn a nation around, can heal the sick, can do any of the number of the things He said He can do. Can we believe that? Can we hold on in hope even when it seems like there is no hope from a worldly perspective? That's what Abraham did. That's what we must do as well. When we live with this sort of a sense of a hope Driven anticipation in what God can do. Life will naturally be an adventure. Rather than an ordeal. This doesn't mean 
It won't be hard. But it's like God's going to come through. God's going to do what only God can do. And that stirs an adventurous spirit feeling within us. That's hope rises. Hope turns. Hope causes life to be an adventure rather than an ordeal. Go ahead and turn back to Romans 15. Hope anticipates what God can do. Hope changes my life. Now the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace in believing. Joy and peace in the Christian life flow out of our hope. When we believe God is who Scripture says He is, God can do what Scripture says He can do, and God will do what Scripture says He will do. We will have joy and peace regardless of the circumstances of our lives. Now let me explain a little bit about the kind of joy and peace God gives us. The joy God gives us is a it's a supernatural thing. It's not something we can stir up. It's not based upon our emotions or our feelings at the current time. The joy comes from knowing God is here. God is at work. God is in control. But, and when we have this joy that bubbles up within us, it, it changes how and why we do things. You know, if we were all to be honest, we would all say that, that there's times in our life where our service and our devotion to Jesus is, is made of have-tos and need-tos and and got to's. I ought us. See the joy that, that God gives. That bubbles up within us. Because of our hope in him. It moves us beyond that. Until we, we want to. We get to. We're excited to. Now let me just ask. I mean. When was the last time. You were excited about an opportunity to serve the Lord. When was the last time when it was time to read your Bible or pray? You were just, yes, I can't wait until that time. I, I get to. Or is it I, I have to? But that, that get to instead of a have to flows out of our joy. And, and sadly, it is often missing in our lives as disciples of Jesus. Now, the great thing about the joy of the Lord is it doesn't fail us when we need it the most. But joy like hope isn't dependent upon our circumstances. We can be in the midst of great trials and great struggling and great suffering. And there can still be a joy of the Lord in our hearts. I think as, as Americans we have a real hard time picturing how joy and suffering can go together. And yet in Scripture... They often do. Again, Paul in a Philippian prison. Singing and praising God at midnight. That's, that's joy, right? Joy despite what's happening. Well, Paul understood that that's the way it was. Right? Paul talked about several times the sufferings he went through in his life. Uh, I wish we had time in 2 Corinthians to look at all the times and stuff Paul went through that he lists there. But in 2 Corinthians 6, Paul gives a short list. And in doing so, he gives a, a series of contrasts. And look at these contrasts. As sorrowful, yet always rejoicing. Now that is a, a strange sounding contrast, right? As sorrowful, and yet always rejoicing. And yet, this is what he says under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. This is the life Paul lived. Paul was sorrowful over his suffering, over the misery of others, over the struggle of the churches. There were so many things. And yet, even in the midst of all of the sorrow, there was rejoicing and joy in Jesus from Paul. This verse, I think, is so very important for us to understand. Right? The, the joy of the Lord, the hope of the Lord. It doesn't mean our lives have no problems. It doesn't mean we aren't sad when someone when someone dies or when something bad happens to us. We shouldn't feel guilty over the heartache we feel 
at the misery experienced in this world. Paul understood sorrow. He sorrowed over many things. Yet in the midst of his sorrow there was still hope. There was still joy. Because his joy came from the Lord. Because his joy came from the Lord. He could have it no matter what circumstances were going on in his life. He could be heartbroken over a church turning to the world. But he could still rejoice in the hope of Jesus. He could be heartbroken over his own suffering. And yet rejoice in the hope of Jesus. This is the kind of joy God gives. This kind of joy is a part of what happens when we have hope. And this kind of joy Helps make life an adventure rather than an ordeal. Then there's peace. Now the world, this is interesting. I thought about this as I was preparing the message. The world offers a lot of different places for peace, right? Tell me if any of these sound familiar. Financial security. Worldly success, right? So like with our job or whatever. Politics. As long as our party is in the majority, we feel we're at peace. Good health. Stability or comfort. Now here's what I thought was interesting. Right? I mean, financial security, that's just the accumulation of wealth and stuff. The more we have success. And yet look at the world we're in now. I mean, most of this stuff is largely kind of gone, right? Especially for some people. Financial security, the, the markets are all messed up. Success, people who've built their lives and work to build businesses and do things now are struggling to keep them going. Politics. Man, everybody's crazy. No matter which side you're on. Right? Stability and comfort. And there's no stability in our world right now. We don't know what's going to happen tomorrow. Much less later this year. And good health. Well, man, we are only one goomer at Walmart coughing on us losing our good health, aren't we? So the world's Peace, the world's sources of peace are, are weak. They're just not able to carry us through a time like we're in. We're in a time where the world's peace has shown itself to be futile. It has shown itself to be weak and unable to give any sort of a lasting Peace. I mean, if your peace, if my peace comes from any of these worldly sources, then right now we have no peace. Right now we are stressed about the election. Right now we are stressed about the economy. Right now we are stressed about our health or the health of someone around us. Right now we're stressed about our jobs and our finances. But if we have a peace that comes from God, we have peace. That doesn't mean we're not concerned. Again, I'm not talking about like a Pollyanna rose-colored glasses kind of thing. Where it's like, oh, everything's fine. It's all going to turn out okay. It doesn't always do that. But again, think Paul in the Philippian prison. Beaten, arrested, hurting, singing, and praising God. Peace. In the midst of deep suffering. The world's peace is temporary at best. But God's peace is durable. It is eternal. Since God has given it to us, the world cannot take it. And the Bible says God will give us peace. Look at this verse. I love this. The Lord will give strength unto His people. The Lord will bless His people with peace. The Lord will bless His people with peace. Not he, he might, He could, He should. He will. So that's good. I mean, that's a, hopeful, that's a hopeful thing. But I like the wording of bless. Think about the world we're in right now. How many of us know people that they're anxious, they're fearful, they're unnerved, they have no peace? Isn't peace... In a time of chaos like we're currently living. Isn't that truly a tremendous blessing? That comes from the Lord. Nothing else can give us this kind of blessing. This kind of peace. Nothing else we look to other than God. Can give us this peace. And 
And, and listen, God, the Bible says God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. God changes not. That's what the Bible says. So if God can give that peace to the psalmist, can give that peace to you, he can give that peace to me. This kind of peace is available to every single disciple of Jesus. This is the kind of peace hope gives us. And it makes life an adventure rather than an ordeal. A life filled with joy and peace. That's different than what the world offers. That's different than what the world has. Hope changes our lives. Hope makes us different. And this difference allows our life to be an adventure rather than an ordeal. And then finally, hope abounds through the Holy Spirit. The God of hope give you all joy and peace in believing as you abound in hope. The power of the Holy Ghost. Holy Spirit gives us hope. It causes it to abound in our lives. Now, here's the thing about hope we're talking about. We're not talking about anything natural. right? Some people have a, a more natural disposition that makes them positive no matter what. And then other people have a hmm, not quite as positive disposition. And they see the cloud behind every silver lining. We all know people who have a natural bent towards being positive and hopeful. Everything is going to turn out okay. But we also know people who are just naturally cynical. The world is going to collapse. Everybody's going to die. It's all going to end badly. And here's the the great promise. The hope I've been talking about, the hope we see here, is not dependent upon our natural inclinations. You can be a hopeful person and still not have the kind of hope this is talking about. You can be a pessimistic person and yet God, through the Holy Spirit, will give you an abounding hope. Will give you this kind of hope. This is great news. Because some may have heard this and said, that's great for those who are, hey, the world's going to be okay. But I'm not that guy. I, I, I always see the bad. I always see what's wrong. I'm not, I just can't have that kind of a hope. And yet, and yet the reality is you can. Because hope doesn't flow from our personality. Hope doesn't flow from our natural inclinations. Hope abounds to the power of the Holy Spirit working in our life. Now, in order to understand how hope abounds to the Holy Spirit working in our life, let me remind you of part of what the Holy Spirit does in our lives. I hope you can read that. It says, In whom ye also trusted, after you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, after which you believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, which is the earnest of our inheritance, to the redemption of the purchased possession, to the praise of His glory. Now, That's a whole sermon all by itself. I just got to break up a few things. When we believe the gospel, right? The Holy Spirit is at work always in our lives, right? It's the Holy Spirit that shows us our need for Jesus. The Holy Spirit works in our life, convicts us of sin, shows us the emptiness in our life, shows us the sin of our life, shows us our desperate need for Jesus. We respond to that. We turn to Jesus. We cry out for Him to save us. At that moment, the Holy Spirit does a a work in our life to make us into a new creation. We are, as Jesus said, born again. But that's not all. The Holy Spirit then comes to live within us. And He he seals us. That's what Ephesians says. Now, a seal in the world to which Paul wrote was an identifying mark. Right? It was something on an object, identifying who it belonged to. Uh, It testified that maybe they had bought it. And it was like a seal of authenticity. right? If it had my seal, you would know it really came from me. So the Holy Spirit is a seal identifying us as God's children. We have been redeemed by God. The, The Spirit Himself bears witness with our spirit. We're the children of God. The Holy Spirit seal in our life is a, a certificate of authenticity proving we've been born again. We are the children of God. 
But he's also, Paul says, the earnest of our inheritance. Now, if you've ever bought a house, you've probably put down earnest money. Earnest money is a portion of the purchase price you put down to show you're going to follow through with the buying of the property. The Holy Spirit is God's down payment to us, guaranteeing He's going to do everything He has said He would do in us and through us and for us. And He is the earnest until the redemption of the purchased possession. Now, that phrase, redemption of the purchased possession, refers to the future. Right? The future when either Jesus returns or until God calls us home to glory. And what this says is the Holy Spirit in our life is God's promise that the work He began in us when He saved us, it will continue until God finishes that work. Finishes that work until when Jesus comes back or finishes that work when it's time to be called home and go to be with Him. This is certain. The Holy Spirit will work until this time. Paul says, being confident of this very thing, Philippians 1.6, that He which hath begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of Christ Jesus. We can have absolute Certainty, absolute confidence, God will complete the work of redemption that began on the day in which we believe. Now, that work is incomplete as long as we're on this earth. right? Because the ultimate goal is for us to be like Jesus. And, and ain't none of us like Jesus as much as we could be. Still work to be done. But... We're confident that he who began the work is going to continue the work until Jesus comes back. That this is certain. This is a promise given to us. This is something that's what the Holy Spirit is doing. He is reminding us. God is still here. God is still at work. And this is a part of how the Holy Spirit gives us hope. Right? He causes us to abound in hope. Every time we're reading the Bible and something new jumps out at us from Scripture, we're like, wow, I never saw that before. We're reminded of God's promise. The Holy Spirit is the down payment of all that would come. Anytime we drift into sin and we turn aside and the Spirit begins to wail on us and convict us and, and draw us back to the right path, that's a way of saying, God saying, I have not given up on you. Be confident I'm going to continue it. And that gives us hope. Anytime the Spirit does anything in our lives to encourage us, to strengthen us, to enable us, to help us, it reminds us of the greatness of God's promises. And it gives us hope. And this hope makes life an adventure. Now, let me, let me say one last thing and we'll close. God's promises are sure and steadfast. We know they are because He has given us the Holy Ghost within us. How great is the fullness of our redemption, the fullness of our inheritance, the promise of God, if the down payment of that is the Holy Spirit Himself living within us. How sure, how certain are those promises to come to pass if what God has given us to guarantee it, to promise it, is the Holy Spirit to live within us. Every time the Holy Spirit works in our life, it should stir hope within us. God has not given up. God will not give up. God's promises are sure. They are certain. They will come to pass. And we can depend upon that. So would you say your life is more of an adventure or more of an ordeal? Now, I know we all go through times where it's both. I mean, some things are more naturally adventurous and some things more naturally become ordeals. 
the times where our life seems an ordeal, it really should should not be the norm. It should be the exception as disciples of Jesus. Any ordeal we go through can be an adventure if our hope is built upon God and on the fact He is who He says He is. He can do what He says He can do. And He will do what He has said He will do. Hope in God must be built on Jesus. Jesus is the yes and the amen to all of God's promises. And the idea with that is if we get Jesus, we get everything. But if we miss Jesus, we miss everything. In order to, to get Jesus, as it were, we, we must repent of our sins. And we must believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. Repentance is turning from our sin to God. Believing in what Jesus has done for us on the cross. Believing His life, His death, His resurrection. It's the only hope we have. The only salvation we have. The only righteousness we have. Everyone starts there. Apart from Jesus, we have no claim. We have no right to say this verse is ours. But if I am in Christ, if I have repented of my sins, I have believed in Jesus Christ, then I can say with absolute certainty the God of hope will fill me with all joy and peace in believing so that I abound with hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. That is true. That is certain. That is the life we are meant to live. Now I'm not going to tell you if you trust in Jesus, all your problems will go away. Gosh, that's just simply not the case. What I can say is, He will give you a hope that is greater than your circumstances. Regardless of how bad the circumstances are. Because He gives you first and foremost Himself. If you have never cried out to Jesus to save you, do that today. Let's pray. Our Father, we love You. You are great and awesome and worthy of our praise and worthy of our devotion. We thank You, Lord, for the opportunity we have to, to gather as we do Thank you for living in a time where technology is available. So we can stream into the homes of the people in our church. Share the good news. Great joy about Jesus and the hope you give. Father, stir our hearts and let us be a people of hope. Let us live life as an adventure. Gaiman's an adventurous place, oh God. Help us to see that and understand that in all we do. Father, use us to... Impact this community for Christ. Let this church, let it be a place, Lord, a beacon of hope. And we offer out the hope, help, and healing through Christ to Gaiman and beyond. We love you, Lord. Have your way in all things, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen. Let me mention just a couple of announcements. Um, first, the deacons and I will meet Wednesday night and determine how to resume, when to resume our in-person services. Uh, Phase one of Governor Stitt's proposal has started Friday. It picks up even more this next Friday. But we need wisdom to know what God would have us to do. So you, you pray for us to have wisdom. Um, also, next week we're going to start a sermon series called Forward. Now, it's based upon the book of Joshua. And we're going to look through the book of Joshua for the foreseeable future. But when you look in the Bible, what you find, and not just in the Bible, but in life, but in the Bible we find the people of God... God is always calling them forward into the future He has for them. But so often what they do is they either want to stay where they are or they want to go back to where they were. And God is saying, follow me. Go this way. Right? We're going to look at what we need to do as individuals, as families, and as a church 
to move forward. We don't want to stay where we are. We don't want to go back. We want to go forward where God is leading us. So pray about the series. We'll be in Joshua 1 next week. And of course our financial needs of the church continue. Please be faithful givers as you have always been. You can mail your check in. Northridge Free Will Baptist Church. Post Office Box 1707. Guyman, Oklahoma 73942. You can drop it off when I'm at the church. Which is most weekdays. If I'm not here. Call me. I will meet you. Um, or you can give online. That is the full address. The address of that is also found on our church Facebook page. So you can go there. It should be at the top. And you can give through that. Right now may the, the God of hope. Fill you with all joy and peace and believing so you abound with hope through the Holy Spirit. I love you guys.